This morning, I'm really excited uh, that Kyle uh, is going to be preaching, and so I just welcome him to come now. How am I going to learn all the rules? How am I going to do this? And we're actually going to see today, you know, 
there's some reference to lots of rules. Um, but there's some context behind it. And so let's get let's dig into it. Um, I want to start though by doing a bit of an overview. So we've been going through Mark for a number of weeks, and and this is my overview. This is not some you know master theologian or whatever. So bear with me. This is just like a quick synopsis. So the book of Mark starts with John the Baptist, and John the Baptist is paving the way for Jesus. He's saying, Hey, look, somebody else is going to come after me that's greater than me. So pay attention. So then here comes Jesus, he's performing miracles, he's teaching, he's displaying the power and authority given to him by God, and you know, he's using parables a lot. He's talking and telling history and and, um, and he's healing people. And he, a lot of what he's talking about and, and showing is that he is the Lord over the physical world. That he has power over the things that we touch and see and our bodies and he has power and authority over that. Um, he then moves on to perform some more miracles, and and these start to kind of escalate in scale. You know, he feeds you know, thousands of people. Um, he he has mastery over the seas and the uh, the weather. Um, he starts to do things that are like kind of otherworldly. I mean, it's one thing to heal me, but to be able to control the weather, like, wow, you know, we're talking a different scale now, right? Um, and his teaching starts to change a little bit toward uh, talking about faith in God and righteousness. So where he was kind of setting himself up previously as like the Lord and, and the Son of God, he's now moving toward faith and righteousness. Um, then we see, we get to the transfiguration. And if you're familiar with that, he goes up on the mountain with a couple of his disciples, a few of them, and he, his, he transforms. Uh, physically transformed into something other. Uh, glowing white robes, face too, too bright to, to look at. Um, and he starts to speak with Moses and Elijah, who have been dead for long now, I don't know, <laughs> a lot of years, right? Um, uh, and he starts to present, I mean, it really shows him, and, and even some of the things he starts to talk about show him as something more than man. It shows him as deity, as God, as, you know, as God, right? Um, and now we kind of move down, and you know, he comes down off of the mountain, and we move into the, they were kind of in the latter part of chapter nine, and he starts a section where we start to see, um, we start to see this kind of themes of the search for, the opposition to, and the personification of what I'm calling a simple faith, okay? So this is, the, there's a bit of a section here. And so today we pick up in the latter part of that section, and uh, in, in Mark chapter 28, um, Jesus has been teaching people, uh, and, you know, he's been teaching people about some stuff that he's been challenged on a lot, like the Pharisees are coming after him, the teachers of the law are coming after him, the Sadducees are coming after him. And they're not just coming in, in like a, hey, let's have a dialogue, let's, you know, let's chat about this. Hey, what do you think about this? It's, 
you know, it, it becomes increasingly more about they're trying to twist what he's saying, they're trying to trick him, you know, trying to entrap him almost, I mean, put, him in a, put him into a uh, sort of philosophical, religious debate that he can't win, and yet every time he, he just sort of cuts through what they're asking and delivers a response that is so simple in nature that they can't even say anything to, to refute it. And so that's where we're picking up today. But before we start to read that even, I want us to remember in chapter 10, there was a story of uh, the rich young ruler. And I think we went through that maybe a month ago or something like that, you know, maybe six weeks, I'm not sure. Um, I want to remind you of that because there, there's some similarities to the setup uh, in our story today. So the rich young ruler that Jesus had been teaching, he'd been challenged on, um, I think in that case it's divorce. Um, so he had been challenged on what is it, you know, divorce and this sort of thing. And, uh, and teaching and some parables, and then here comes this rich young ruler, rich young man, who falls at Jesus' feet, you know, in very sincere terms, and says, "Hey, what must I do to inherit the kingdom of God?" And Jesus responds to him. Um, he responds to him and says, "You know, you need to obey all the commandments that I've given you." He says, "Yes, I've done that. Since I was a young boy, I've done all of that." And Jesus says, okay, well, sell everything, you know, go away, sell everything, come back and follow me. And the rich young ruler says, just turns and, you know, lowers his head and walks away. And Jesus' response to that is, uh, he has compassion, his love for this man. Now, I want to, I draw your attention to that because we, we find ourselves in a similar thing. So we've had now a discussion on uh, marriage, and uh, I think was that uh, two weeks ago, uh, Ellen, Ellen talked about the, uh, she, she preached on the story where the, um, you know, the, they posed this question of marriage and, you know, who's going to be married to the, <laughs> who's going to be married to the woman in heaven and all this sort of stuff, like just a completely messed up situation, which basically never happened. So, um, but then now we have also now a, another man coming with a genuine question, right? So it's a, kind of a similar setup. So as we read this, I want you to, I want you to start to look for those parallels and, and think through that a bit. So we start today in Mark 12, chapter, uh, sorry, Mark chapter 12, verse 28. It says, One of the teachers of law came and heard them debating. Noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked, he asked them, Of all of the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one, Jesus answered, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, and with all of your soul, and with all of your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Well said, teacher, and then replied. 
You are right in saying that God is one, and there is no other but Him. To love, with, to love Him with all your heart, with all your understanding, with all your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself is more important than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. When Jesus saw that he had answered wisely, he said to him, You are not far from the kingdom of God. And from then on, no one dared to ask him any more questions. So I'm going to start kind of at the end of this and move backwards in a way. Um, so the outcome of the story is you know, this, this, uh, this teacher of law had, had a good response to, to Jesus. Jesus responded to him by saying, you're not far from the kingdom of God. Okay? Um, Jesus, uh, the, sorry, uh, Jesus' response to the teacher's question, uh, I'll go through this, but Jesus' response to the teacher's question, um, of the greatest commandment. He, he quotes a couple of verses. He quotes Deuteronomy 6 and Leviticus 19. And we'll come back to this, but in summary he says, love God with your whole self, love your neighbor as yourself. The teacher responds with admiration, rephrasing Jesus' words and adding a reference to the sixth chapter of Micah, which we read earlier. Um, there's also, it's similar to Hosea 6, there's a couple of references that are really similar. Um, and again, we'll come back to these because they're important. Um, but then Jesus' response is, you know, 30, in verse 34, when Jesus saw that he had answered wisely, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. Now, if we compare that response to the response of the rich young ruler, or, or Jesus' response to him, in, in Mark chapter 10, verse 21 to 23, says, Jesus looked at him, the young ruler, and loved him. One thing you lack, go and sell everything you have and give it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven forever. Then come follow me. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard is it for the rich to inherit the kingdom, to enter the kingdom of God? So for the teacher in our story today, he saw wisdom and he saw in, sorry, Jesus saw in him wisdom and he told him he was not far from the kingdom of God. But for the rich young ruler, he saw the sincerity and the desire to do good. But he also saw the inability to actually do what's necessary to enter the kingdom of God. But he still loved him. So why, in Jesus' eyes, is, is the one that's so eager, or why is Jesus so eager to proclaim that one man who simply asks the question is so close to the kingdom of God, while the other, who so desperately wanted to inherit the kingdom of God, is far from The answer lies in their responses. So similarly, they both affirm the commandments that Jesus laid out. 
you know, the rich young ruler says, yes, I've kept those since boy, since I was a boy. The, um, the teacher of the law says, you're right. You've answered well. This is the greatest commandment. The difference, though, is the teacher, he takes it one step further. And with his reference to Micah 6, he, he adds a bit that, that really starts to answer this question of why he's able to enter the, or why he's so close to the kingdom of God. So in Micah 6, verse 6, 6 to 8, it says, With what shall I come before the Lord and bow down before the exalted God? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with a thousand of rams, ten thousand rivers of olive oil? Shall I offer my firstborn for my transgression, the first, I'm sorry, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has shown you, O mortal, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, and to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Now let's be clear about the rich young ruler, because there's a lot to learn from him. His story is not one of arrogance or greed, like we see with, the, with a lot of the Pharisees and teachers of law. Um, he, he came with sincerity. But he was, pursuing, he was pursuing a faith of man working to obtain God's favor. What must I do? What more can I do? What can I get? What can I keep? You know, what can I, what can I give? What can I, what can I do? Got to do more. Got to be more. You know, it was all about, it was really all about him. The teacher got it, though. He understood what was going on. He was pursuing a simple faith. His faith, faith was to love God and love his neighbor. To act justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with God. He, hashtag, understood the assignment. <laughs> so, what does it mean to have this simple faith? If we assume the rich young ruler was true in keeping the laws, then wouldn't that, kind of by proxy, have been loving God and loving his neighbor? Throughout Mark, Jesus talks repeatedly of faith as childlike, or you know, the faith of a child, he, he uh, warns against putting stumbling blocks in front of any of his children. He refers to faith in parables as a tiny mustard seed. His responses to the teacher of the law always brought the focus to who or what was at the center of faith. Was the law made for man or man for the law? All roads lead back to the greatest commandment discussion though. So let's look at these and try to understand their implications for us. So first, the great commandment. So this, this again, is a reference back to Deuteronomy 6, verse 4. You can go and read that in its original form as well. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. 
Okay, so relative, this is relatively straightforward. I mean, we, we breeze through it all the time. Well, okay, love God, love man. That's the greatest command in the second, you know, the second. But there's more to it than that. You know, he, in referencing uh, and, and actually, you know, reciting Deuteronomy 6, verse 4, Jesus didn't truncate it in full. So, oftentimes we'll make a reference to something like I just did. Love God, love your neighbor. Well, I've just truncated the whole thing and tried to distill it down. Jesus left in some really important parts. And so he starts it by, by this, this phrase, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. So this is a really important um, this is a really important reference for the Israelites. Okay, so the Israelites in in the time of Deuteronomy, so that was the time of Moses, um, to the time of Jesus. They were surrounded by by people of pagan worship that were worshiping multiple gods that ranged anywhere from imagination to statue to whatever it was, right? And so they, God was instructing them to be set apart. Hear, O Israel. Hear, O Israel. This is a proclamation to all of the nation. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God. This is not just, you know, the Lord our God, generic phrase. This is Yahweh, the Lord Yahweh, the named God, the, the name that, that God gave to Moses. This is a specific person. Yahweh, our God. Yahweh is one. Now, in the context of Israel, this was a big deal. Okay? This set them apart from everyone around. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. This was this even today will be will be recited in synagogues. This is foundational for the entire Jewish faith and really for the entire Christian faith. Hear, O Israel, Yahweh is one. It's like a flagpole. You know, it, it's the person that comes in and says, I'm staking my claim. This is who I am. It's speaking of identity. Like beyond just, uh, beyond just adherence to something, adherence to a practice, adherence to a faith. This is saying, I'm identifying myself as one who is part of this. It sort of goes beyond that in, in, in the Jewish faith, in the understanding that you cannot serve two masters. There is one God, one only God, and you can only serve one master. So, we continue on. Love the Lord, love Yahweh, the name God gave to Moses, love Yahweh with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Now, unlike the rich young ruler, 
We do not serve both Yahweh and money. Unlike the, or we are not to serve both Yahweh and money. Unlike the Pharisees, we are not to serve both Yahweh and piety. Or Yahweh and self-righteousness. Or Yahweh and education. Or Yahweh and, 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 and. We are to love Yahweh with all of our inner, inner being. All of our heart and soul. To love God, to love Yahweh with all of your intellect, with all of your thoughts and and you know mindset and uh, worldview, and to love Yahweh with all of your abilities, all of your physical actions and abilities. This is what Jesus taught us. There's nothing complicated about it. it. May not be easy. There's nothing complicated about it. Um, and there's no way to really find loopholes. You know, this is this is what the teachers of the law were always looking for. Was we've got the set of rules. Where's the loophole? How can we adjust this to conform to what we want to do? But Jesus taught against that. In pursuing the pursuing the rules and assuming that by pursuing the rules you are also loving God is backwards. Pursuing the love of God means that you know, I would say following the rules or living a righteous life is the outcome of love and God. And so then he continues on, love your neighbor as yourself. So this is an interesting reference back to Leviticus 19. So Leviticus 19 is a whole list of a bunch of seemingly random laws. I mean, there's a whole bunch of stuff like, you know, don't breed two animals together. Um, don't slander people, don't have tattoos, you know, a whole bunch of weird stuff, right? But just sort of randomly thrown together, it seems. But there's a group of stuff in there um, that talk about, um, oh, let's see, oh, another time. Don't wear, don't wear clothing woven from two different materials. I'm not sure why that was a law, but it was a law. Um, anyway, um, I'm not going to wade into all these, but uh, there's a few of them here that that kind of can be grouped together as commandments that end up being kind of summed up in in Leviticus 19:18 as love your neighbor as yourself. And so these are things like don't steal from your neighbor, don't lie to them. Don't defraud them, don't slander them, you know, kind of basic sort of like be respectful, be a good neighbor, you know, don't hurt somebody. You know, we're kind of on board with that. Um, but 
you know, Jesus pulled these together, right? So he's pulling together this greatest commandment and this second one, and, and doesn't want them to be separated. Now, if we listen to this all together, what we hear is this. Um, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. First and foremost, the primary focus of faith is not on the person who has faith, but on the object of the faith. So our focus is not on how much faith do I have, how can I have faith, it's it, our focus is on Jesus, on God, on Yahweh. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. There is no part of you that your love of God should not permeate. Faith is a full step. It is not a half step. And let's be clear, it's you're taking all of it with you. There's a great freedom in this. You're not saying, hey, I've got to get this right before I can take a step of faith. God says, bring all of you, the good, the bad, the ugly, the beautiful, bring it all. I want it all. It doesn't mean that you're giving up on all your desires, all your plans, all your hopes and dreams. It means that you're willing to let your love of God permeate those. Sometimes that means they might change. Sometimes that means it might be replaced. Love your neighbor as yourself. What I want to stress here is that love of neighbor flows straight out of your love for God. It's not a feeling of love. Oh yeah, I love my neighbor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love my neighbor. You love people? No. I love people. This is this is actively pursuing what's best for other people, as though you were pursuing it for yourself. Like, your, like the love of one God is supposed to be a differentiator. It's supposed to set you apart from those around. So is your love of others. Sometimes we think that, sometimes we see this in different ways. So sometimes it's in the form of acts of kindness. Good Samaritan. That's a bit of a grand gesture. Maybe it's not quite so grand. Sometimes it's in the form of a rebuke. Jesus says to Peter, get behind me, Satan. Both of those are love of neighbor. So, in short, we can pursue this simple faith by pursuing faith in Jesus and the faithfulness of Jesus. So, Romans 3.22 says that righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. Now, there is an alternate translation of that, which there's debate on it either way, but I think they're both kind of they're both instructed for us. So that um, alternate translation is that righteousness is given through the 
faithfulness of Jesus to all who believe. So I think that those work together, that our faith in Jesus is our pursuit of the faithfulness of Jesus. So our faith in Jesus, uh, sorry, um, Jesus' connection with God and his love poured out for people. That's his faithfulness. That's the faithfulness of Jesus. It's seen throughout all the Gospels. And we have help for that. For those who believe, God imparts his spirit to us. The Bible promises we are given his spirit as a guide. So, you know, I, I told the story of my little friend Jacob this morning because it just struck me that, you know, as, as I'm trying to teach him, and the other coaches are trying to teach him to play baseball, they're trying to teach him the rules, it strikes me that likely he has never watched a baseball game in his life, like a real baseball game. And so this idea of, of understanding things that I think are really basic for anyone who's watched baseball, he has no frame of reference for. So all he's understanding is the rules and what people are telling him to do. So when he hit the ball and I said run, and didn't say run to first base, he ran toward first base, but didn't touch first base. And sometimes we find ourselves in that same situation. We lose sight of looking at the person and looking at the faithfulness of Jesus. Looking at the person of Jesus and seeing the example we have set before us. And look instead to what are the things I need to follow? What is so-and-so saying that I need to do in order to live my faith? What is Greg saying? What is Ellen saying? What is this podcaster saying? You know, whoever you're listening to, what's my friend or my family saying? But we have a great example of what it means to be, pursue a simple faith. To say, I'm all in with God. I don't have to piece out things. I don't have to try to find my way, find the, you know, the, the, the path that's going to be most advantageous for me. I just say, I'm all in. Good and bad. You know? Uh, my anxiety, that's in with God. My trouble with my family, that's in with God. You know, my straight A's, those are in with God too. Um, my plans to become a doctor, that's in with God. It, it's that simple. It's not easy sometimes. But it's that simple. So, I ask today, are you pursuing a simple faith? Or are you pursuing one complicated by other gods? 
and you've decided if you want to pursue faith. And if you haven't, I encourage you to look and, and see you're pursuing faith in something. We all are. Maybe in yourself. And that'll be okay for a while. It may be in your family. It may be in your education. Those things will hold up for a while. But I encourage you to explore what it means to have a simple faith in Jesus. And we'd love to walk through that with you. Um, so if you are interested in that, you can leave something in the response uh, through the link tree, or talk to me, Craig and Ellen, any, anybody, maybe somebody you came with. Um, but I also encourage you that our, to those who, who have made a choice to follow Jesus, just simplify things. This is one thing that's, that should be pretty simple in your life. Father, we are um, really grateful that there is one thing in life that is so simple. Um, most everything else in life is quite complicated. But you've shown us the way. You've shown us the way to pursue faith in you, faithfulness of Jesus. I pray that we will be tuned into that, that we'll be tuned into your, your Holy Spirit, and that we will be able to take those steps and bring all of ourselves to you. Praise in the name of Jesus, our Lord. Amen.